Our lesson this evening comes from, I guess you say our key text really comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. If you think about reasons to labor for the Lord, and that's really, there's a lot can be said about reasons we labor for the Lord. And of course, no way we only hit all the reasons why we labor for the Lord. But I think about there in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, that says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We think about why we work for the Lord, that really is the summary of it. We want men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This evening I want to show what should be our motivation to labor for the Lord. One of the first things I want us to consider is we should remember he worked and continues to work on our behalf. We think about that all that God has done for us, and really it's hard to really think to consider how much God has done for us. You think about from, from the time of creation all the way up until history as we know it, we think about what God has done for us and how much he has shown his love and concern for mankind. We know that the universe was created for man's survival, and really it was created, the garden was really created in such a way that man was going to be able to thrive there. Mankind was on God's mind during creation. As you look at Genesis chapter 1, looking at verses 26 through 31, here the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let him let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Had dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over everything that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given, given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. All those things being done on behalf of mankind. When we get to day six, is the first time we find God using the phrase, it is very good. Because in day six is when mankind comes on to the scene. The design of the universe and its operation puts to the uh, point to the creator who designed it for mankind. Numerous studies and books have been put out and videos have been done showing the, the uniqueness of our universe and the precision that was taken that has taken place within our universe, the placement of the earth, the rotation of the earth, and the placement from the sun and all those types of things, showing the carefulness that God has put in motion for the for the earth and for our survival. And he did he did such things because he cares for mankind. God also demonstrates his love for man. We think about all that God has done on behalf. He has demonstrated his love for man, just as we saw back in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, 
But God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died while some were still in their sins, while we could probably say most were still in their sins. We also reminded of John chapter 3 and verse 16. It tells us, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believed in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God desires mankind to be saved. God shows His love for man through sacrifice, mercy, forgiveness, grace, blessing, and many other ways. And because of all that God has done for us, we remember all that He has done for us, we can see some reasons to labor for the Lord, reasons to labor for Him. When we think about what He has done for us, and remember what He has done for us, and how He continues to do things for us today, we begin to see reasons to labor for Him. We think about His love for you, and how that should drive you to labor for God. In 1 John chapter 4, and verse 19, the Bible says, We love Him because He first loved us. Does God love mankind? Well, we talked about this last week. How much God loves mankind. How much God cares for mankind. Because God loves man so much, we should be willing to labor for Him. We should do things for those whom we do things for those whom we love and care about. And the same should be done for God as well. God cares deeply for us. And for that reason, we are willing to labor for God. We labor for Him because His commands are not burdensome. First John chapter 5 and verse 3. We think about that phrase or that word there, burdensome. It means they are not too heavy. They're not something that we think are just, it's almost the idea as if God is asking too much when you think about that word. But he says here that his commands are not burdensome. They're not a burden to us. Sometimes you come in contact with individuals or maybe you find yourself in certain situations and you feel like you are under a great burden. But God's command should not be one of those things. God commands us to work in the vineyard for Him. This is a, not a command that we should view as being a burden. And none of, none of God's commands are burdens. That we understand how much God loves us. And how much we should love Him. Again, looking there at 1 John 5 verse 3. It says, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. Which tells us that if we love God, we're going to keep His commandments. And people today sometimes talk about how much they love God. And you ask them, you know, more about their life, and you start to see that they're not keeping God's commands, which reveal they don't really love God as much as they want you to believe. But if we love the Lord, we will keep His commandments. And His commandments are not too much for us. And part of His commandments, as we know, includes the Great Commission to seek and save those that are lost. We labor for Him because we love the souls of men. We love the souls of men. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. He says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to, a knowledge, come to the knowledge of the truth. God desires everyone to have everlasting life. He desires for everyone to have heaven as their home. And because that's God's desire, our desire should be to work for the Lord. You know, we could talk about all the many ways in which we could work for the Lord. 
And we think about that phrase, work for the Lord. Sometimes we hear that and we kind of get a little nervous thinking, well, what, what's going to be involved? There's so many aspects and so many ways between labor for the Lord. Anyone can be a person who works for the Lord. We can do so by picking up our phones. We can do so by picking up cards and letters. We can do so by going to individuals' homes and talking to one another. We can work for the Lord in so many different ways. There's really, as we think, when you think about that, we consider, we find there's really no good reason for us not to labor for the Lord. Again, you go back and look at verse 4 of 1 Timothy chapter 2. He says, Who desires all men to be saved? And we have to ask ourselves, honestly, do we have that same desire? You know, some, sometimes we'll say, Well, yeah, of course I do. But do our actions really match our words? Do we live and act in such a way that it shows that we really do care for the souls of men? You know, sometimes when we talk to people about the church, about the Bible, about maybe salvation, because that's kind of a touchy issue for most people today, are we willing to stand there and have that awkward moment that becomes awkward or that difficult conversation because we care about the souls of men enough to have that difficult conversation? Are we willing to put ourselves in situations that are not easy that may make ourselves or those who we're talking to a little uncomfortable because salvation is that important. And we find there in 1 Timothy 2, he says, who desires all men to be saved. And we have to realize that even though we want all men to be saved, not all men act in such ways that reveal that they want to be saved. I was listening to a song recently, one of the lip lines was, everyone, everyone wants salvation, but not all want to be saved. And I thought, he wasn't talking in a spiritual sense, but I was like, well, you know, that's really pretty true, isn't it? People talk about wanting to have heaven one day, but they don't really want to be saved. They don't want to really do what is necessary. But we want to make sure that we are not one of those people. We want to make sure that we are those who are who truly desire that all men be saved. And he says here, and come to the knowledge of the truth. Come to a knowledge, come to the knowledge of the truth, which signifies there there's only one truth. And again, that's a difficult conversation itself, isn't it? Having people understand there's only one truth. There's only one church. There's only one way. But how much do we want souls to be saved? We work to reach the souls of men because we know what awaits those who rebel. Looking at Second Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 10, here the Apostle Paul again speaking, he says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to the work, according to what he has done, whether good or good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You think about what Paul is talking about. We recognize he's talking about the judgment day. Everyone's going to stand before Christ, as he says there in verse ten, that each one that each one may receive the things done in the body uh, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. It means that every single person has to stand before Christ on the day of judgment and answer for everything they have done, good and the bad. And he says in verse 11, there, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You think about the terror of the Lord. We have to recognize, when you think about it in the context in which Paul is mentioning it here, the terror of the Lord is what is seen by those who are outside of the body of Christ. It is a terrible thing to think about what awaits those who are not 
obedient to God. And we know we can think about those who are, maybe we, who we haven't met, met before, we think about sometimes acquaintances and things such as that. But sometimes if that's, we start thinking about friends. We start thinking about family members. And we think about how, what awaits them if they haven't obeyed the gospel. And what do we do? We are motivated to work for the Lord. It doesn't mean that if we fail to help them see the truth that we have failed in some way. If we show them and give them the opportunity to respond to the gospel, then we have done all that we have, all that we're supposed to do. You know, we talked about that this morning in Galatians, didn't we? When the Apostle Paul talks about how he was afraid for them. You know, he was worried his labor was going to be in vain because he has done his part by warning them about going back to the old law. But it was up to them to make the decision to be obedient to the law of Christ. Well, we find here in verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul is the one who chooses these words because who did he meet on the road to Damascus? The Bible says he met Christ on the road to Damascus, right? Just the glory of Christ blinded him, right? So much so he couldn't see where he was going, had to be led by the hand by those who were with him. When we think about the terror of the Lord, we can only think about, we can only imagine what awaits those who have not obeyed the gospel. But we also think about what awaits those who will obey the gospel. Because there are two sides to consider, right? Those who have not obeyed but awaits them, and those who are going to obey and what awaits them as well. Why do we labor for the Lord? We labor for Him because uh, His love for us should drive us to labor for Him. We labor for Him because His commands are not burdensome. And we labor for Him because we love the souls of men. Which brings us to some things for us to consider today. God, we think about reasons to labor for the Lord. Think about for your own, in your own mind for just a moment, and we in no way have covered all these things. When you, if you were, if I'm to ask you the question, what are some reasons to labor for the Lord? What would come to your mind? No doubt there's more than what we talked about this evening. But we think about why we labor for God. Do we love God enough and willing to do what is necessary? Do we love the souls of men enough? Do we know what awaits them? Do we want to labor for the Lord because of all He has done for us? We talked about in the very first point. We remember back to all those things that God has done for us. And not only do we find all those reasons, but God also commands us to labor for the Lord, doesn't He? You go back and look there in the book of Matthew. In the end of Matthew there where Christ is given the great commission. He tells them to go out and to preach the gospel to every creature, right? There in the Matthew, at the end of the Matthew account. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse 16, he says, beginning in verse 18 rather, he says, the Bible says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, sometimes you fail to realize the first command is in verse 19 with the word go, right? Go out and make and teach them and make disciples, right? Those therefore make disciples or learners of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to keep the two, he teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. No doubt that is a part of working for the Lord, isn't it? But can we work for the Lord in other ways besides just evangelism? When we say working for the Lord, we think, uh, many times reaching out to the lost, and no doubt that is the main focus of it all, right? But can we work for the Lord by reaching out to those who, who were once faithful and now no longer are? Can we use that a work of the, of the church? Oh yeah, definitely. Can we work for the Lord and work for the church by helping out with various events? Conveniently enough, we have BBS coming up. Is that work of the Lord that we can be involved in? Yeah. We may think of it in some small, we may think, well, I'm going to do a part of this or this, but any work is a work, isn't it? From cleaning the building or mowing the lawn to reaching out to the lost, they are all part of work for the Lord, a work, a way of working for the Lord, and we should not be afraid to be involved in it. God's love should motivate the Christian. Again, you go back to Matthew chapter 28 with the Great Commission. Why did Christ give them that Great Commission as it's so called? Because the only way for people to obey the gospel is for them to hear it. We think about there in Mark chapter 16 and verse 16, a a verse which we're all very familiar with. Within that same section, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 16, you look back at the verse 15, it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he believes and is baptized will be saved, but he does not believe will be condemned. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, it doesn't take a gospel preacher to teach someone the gospel, though, does it? Now, that's a very dangerous idea to think that only the preacher or only the elders or only the deacons or it may be can go out and reach the lost. That's not accurate at all. You know, we read in the Bible about Aquila and Priscilla, a husband and wife team, who were very active. Remember, they were the ones who took Apollos aside and corrected him, right? The Bible says they, they taught him the way, the way of the Lord more perfectly. They weren't really described as preachers and teachers, or preachers, but they are definitely teachers, aren't they? We find numerous examples in the Bible of men and women, and even Timothy, who's referred to as a quote-unquote youth, who did many great things to the Lord. And so we have, to, we have to make sure that we don't allow ourselves to put certain aspects of the church work only on certain people. Because gospel preachers can't, can't teach everybody. Elders can't teach everybody. It takes the whole congregation reaching out in some way to reach the world around us. And God's love should motivate the Christian. The love, love motivated God to do many things for us, doesn't it? And what God does throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, we find, is done out of love. Because he loves mankind. From blessing to correction to instruction, all those things are done because God loves mankind. What would happen if God didn't love mankind enough to correct them? People would have died of their sins, wouldn't they? Son Gomorrah would have just imploded and numerous people would have gone off into tremendous wicked sin if God had not punished them and brought that, brought that to an end. The numerous times that Israel had to be warned of how many of them, no doubt not all of them, but many of them would have come back to God because God was willing to correct them, because he loves them. 
Because of his deep love for us, we should be more than willing to work in his kingdom. Now, we have silent sheets here, not unlike other congregations, for different things that we can be involved in. And if we're honest, those things should never have a problem being filled up, should they? No matter what it is. We may think, well, I can't do this or I can't do this, but we can find, you know what, I can do this. There is no small work for the church. God continues to show His love for us today. And this should move us again to want to labor for the Lord. Because He continues to show His love for us today. You know, the Word of God is unique in that it has survived, just unique in just one way, uh, it has survived thousands of years. It has been attacked by critics beyond number, hasn't it? And yet it's the most widely read book throughout the world, throughout history. I don't think there's any doubting that. But it's been attacked, it's been burned more than any other book, but yet it still survives today. Why is that? Because God decided long ago that His Word was going to continue on no matter what. As He says there, uh, I believe there in the book of Isaiah, that his word would go forth from his mouth and would accomplish what he pleases and would fulfill the, the purpose for which it was sent. God's word is going to continue on. Why does he make sure that happens? Because he loves mankind. We must be careful not to, not to think of God's demonstration for, uh, uh, for his love for man in a past tense. We just shouldn't think of, we think of John 3.16, we think of it, okay, that was done in the past. But doesn't God still show that love for mankind today? Yes. Because in a, in, a, in a spiritual sense, the blood of Christ still flows today, doesn't it? When we talk about baptism, we talk about when a person comes in contact with the blood of Christ, we say it's that baptism, which implies the blood of Christ is still available for us today, which shows God's love is still available for us today. God's love is still active today. It's not a past tense action. It is a continual action from creation until the end of time, until the judgment day. God still shows His love for us today through our prayers, His blessings, and His world, and in His Word, whether we still see God's love for us in all those ways. You think about what all God has done for us, you have to remember that God, in all reality, if He wanted to, to create mankind, put Him on the earth, and see if He would obey and just not touch Him, He could have done that, right? He could, he could have created Adam and Eve and just let them go and just see what would happen. He could have, he could have decided not to try to give them any guidance. He could have decided not to try to give them any correction. And what would have happened? Well, we know they didn't make it, they didn't last very long before they gave in to the very first temptation that's ever recorded, right? The first temptation that's ever recorded and mankind failed. Not just one person, but both failed, right? But God, because God loves us, He didn't create man and just leave us here without Him or without any guidance. No, we find still His blessings for us today. His love for us today through His prayers, his, the spiritual blessings that come from Him and His Word, we can still see God's love for us. And all of this should move us to want to work for the Lord. 
If we look at God's Word and we think about all that He has done for us, all that He continues to do for us, all the promises that He has fulfilled, the promises He has made for us, if we remain faithful to Him that we know He will keep all those promises, the question then should become, why are we not working for the Lord? Because the reasons are beyond number. They are beyond number. When we think on God's love for us, we should have no hesitation to be loyal to Him and no hesitation to work for Him. There should be no, there's no good reason not to do it. We may have certain constrictions, maybe because of our age or something of that nature, but there's always another way which we can work. When someone says, well, I can't do this, the Bible says, well, there's always this, there's always this, there's always this. There's another way which we can work. If you don't believe so, think about how much time we all spend if we're not careful on our mobile devices or on our computers or on the telephone. Those things are not wrong to have or to use, but if we can use those things, we can also use them to reach out to others with the gospel or to encourage those who are falling away. There's always a window of opportunity there for us all. So let us allow God's love to be our motivation in all things. Why are we here this evening? Because we love the Lord. Why are we going to be here, Lord willing, Wednesday night? Because we love the Lord. Why are we going to be back here next Sunday? Because we love the Lord. Why are we going to pray so often? Because we love the Lord. Why are we going to study so often? Because we love the Lord. Why are we going to reach out to those around us and talk about God, talk about the church? Because we love the Lord. His love motivates us to be an active part of the body of Christ. This evening, as you think about these things, you think about the reasons in which we can labor for the Lord, the reasons why, and there's so much more we wanted to go into great more detail, we can find more and more reasons why we labor for the Lord. I'm sure we all can sit back and think of reasons why. But if we're not careful, we can also start thinking about excuses. Let us look for reasons to work and not excuses to avoid it. This evening, as you think about these things, we can help you or encourage you in any way. You can come forward now as we'll be saying, sing the song that's been selected.